Most of our world has been destroyed. Civilization is in a time of great danger. Our survival requires your attention. Our survival requires your labor. Our survival requires your submission. The product must be the product must be consumed. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. Some folks have a strange idea entertainment. The following movie contains material that may not be suitable for all viewers. Your discretion is advised. People think that I must be a very strange person. This is not correct. I have the heart of a small boy. It is in a glass jar on my desk. And you have come back. And are now listening to the Next Level Network production of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. Episode 22, which is a different kind of episode. I'm doing things differently this week. No film reviews. Instead, let me stress this. I'm going to be talking about my top five favorite Stephen King films. My favorite Stephen King films. Not what the critics have said, not what fans have said, not what, you know, everybody in, you know, general population thinks. No, 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 no. My top five favorite Stephen King films. My top... Okay, enough of that shit. (laughs) Am I annoying you yet? (laughs) Hopefully, the answer is yes. Fuck you! No, I'm kidding. Welcome back, everyone. Enough of me being an annoying little fuck. (laughs) Right. That's what this podcast is all about. Horror movies and me being an annoying little shit. Anyways. How many of you are watching Castle Rock? I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Castle Rock. Oh, fuck. Um, But quickly before I get into that. So I'm not going to lie. I've been a lazy fuck for like the past week. uh, Aside from having to go back to work. Other than that, I've been lazy as shit when I've had the chance to sit around. That's exactly what I've done. Uh, watched, let's see, last weekend, I think I watched 39 episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer before tapping out. Well, I mean, I had a little bit of sleep in there somewhere. But, yeah. Uh, I like this show. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of fun. It was nice to go back. I hadn't watched it in a long time. But I stopped, uh, what episode did I finally stop at? I think, well, I watched like 39 on the weekend, and then I think I watched a few more throughout the week. Anyways, I ended, uh, well, I stopped watching after the episode amends from season three, and eventually I'll get back to it. So, 
It is what it is, but yeah. I probably would have continued had Castle Rock not come back on the Wednesday. And holy shit! Okay, so as I've been telling everybody, this is the show I never knew I wanted, and now that I have it, I can't get enough of it. I thought episode four ended on a cliffhanger, and then episode five, you know, dropped on us, and holy fucking shit. I'm not going to go into specifics because I do understand that not everyone has seen this yet. I know there's some people that I've talked to are waiting for the season to finish and then they're going to watch the whole thing in one binge. They're probably the smarter people because after the last episode, I was kind of upset. Kind of pissed, actually, because it was like, now i got to wait another fucking week. God damn it. This is why, like... Sometimes it's good, like, watching, you know, shows as they they drop online or as they air on TV or whatever because you're you're in the know, you know what I mean? Like, you, you're seeing it as it's, you, you know, you're seeing it in its premiere. But then sometimes it really sucks because then you have to wait for the next episode. So, yeah, Castle Rock, uh, Bill Skarsgård, you know... Everybody makes a big deal about how he was Pennywise and, you know, how he did it differently than Tim Curry and whatnot. And, hey, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, he did his version of it. But he's fucking creepy as shit in Castle Rock. He's, oh, I love what he's doing with the with his role. And, oh, it's just, it's such a fucking good show. And Sissy Spacek, who I'll be actually talking about later, but she's, like, been really cool uh what's his name uh, scott glenn is his name i think uh he, he played stick in uh, daredevil um, anyways he's playing alan pangborn and i absolutely love him in this and like there's just so much about the fucking show i absolutely love and i mean i've mentioned it before you know with the easter eggs and everything it it's it's well it's let me put it this way it's gotten to a point in the story now where I'm kind of like, if I notice an Easter egg, great, but I'm not kind of looking for them anymore because I'm just like so much into the story. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad we're going to get a different story next season. But like this one right now is, is fucking awesome. Uh, that's It's fucking hard to do this without spoiling anything. So probably going to move on from this topic, but... Yeah, if you're not watching Castle Rock yet, there's, um, I mean, I can understand it. Trust me, I get it. If you're waiting for, you know, the season to finish, I get it. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not going to knock people for that. But if if you're not doing that and you want to watch, uh, you, you let, let me put it to you this way. If you're not thinking of watching this, change your mind. <laughs> uh, one of those, you know, you know, you see them stupid uh, images online about blah, 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 change my mind. I know it's fucking stupid. But anyways... Yeah, uh, tell me not to watch Castle Rock change my mind because <laughs> fucking show is awesome. But I don't want to spoil anything, and it's I sound you know kind of like you know stuttering my words because it's like there's things I want to say and I'm like ah, I can't. So moving on, a uh, few releases I wanted to talk about. Uh, I kind of posted a few uh, news things on the Facebook page. Uh, first off, something. Actually, a little bit of a discussion got started because of this. So, um, I think it's Scream Factory again is uh, releasing The Thing. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. This time it's a three-disc steelbook. And 
I, I mean, that's cool. Like, I, it's don't get me wrong. I think that's really awesome and everything. But the, the question of have they released this too many times uh, kind of is coming up. Uh, I, I, I even on the Facebook page it was mentioned, and I've had a few friends, you know, in person talk to me about this and whatnot. Uh, you know, you do have to wonder. How many more times are we going to re-release this movie? Now, I get it. Don't get me wrong. Like, not everyone owns it. So this is a great chance for people to have a shot at owning it. You know what I mean? And, you know, and steelbooks are nice. I mean, I personally, myself, I don't I don't really care. I just want the movie to look good on my TV. And I have an $8 version of the thing uh, on Blu-ray. And it looks fine. I mean, I'm happy with it. the extras that are on it. I've already watched. And... I don't know. That's me. Everybody's different. I mean, you know, I, I know also people that have bought every single version that's been released. I used to have it on VHS. Uh, I've had it on DVD. I now own it on Blu-ray. I think I still have my DVD, but the VHS I know I do not have anymore. Fuck. I'm mad about that one because that one I actually sold at a yard sale. A yard sale. I was pretty stupid about that. I wish I could go back in time sometimes, but you know, it is what it is, but I don't know, like maybe you guys want to pipe in, you know, do you think like these movies that they keep re-releasing with like, you know, like they've even said like with this one, there's not going to be many new special features. I mean, how much more can you really add? You know what I mean? How many more documentaries, how many more interviews can you possibly have about this movie? So, you know, do you think that They've released this too many times. Is it time to stop or, you know, let it go like, you know, 10, 15 years, then re-release it? I don't know. Uh, myself, personally, I wish Waxwork Records would repress the, the fucking soundtrack because I missed out. Last time they uh, offered it, I made the mistake of, oh, I'm going to wait till I get paid this week. And by the time I got paid, the album was sold out. And then I missed out on the, uh, you know how, uh, well, I don't know how many of you know this, but like Waxwork will hold on to so many copies. So in case they need to replace, you know, damaged vinyls or whatever. And if, you know, all the albums ship out and there's no returns, well, then they take those final, you know, few that they have left over and, you know, they put them up for sale. On um, both occasions, the original selling and the, you know, the selling of the replacements, I missed out. So... Waxwork Records, if you're listening, please re-release your fucking vinyl album because I want it. <laughs> um, moving on, a, another film that I absolutely love. Uh, it's a it's an indie film, but it's now it's been released in Canada on iTunes and in the states. It's on uh, 2B TV and iTunes and I think Google as well, whatnot. Anyways, the movie The Barn. Um, I've talked about it before on here, and eventually it will be like a full-blown episode. But it's been released on iTunes here in Canada. This segment, this part of like you know my me talking, blah blah blah, kind of bullshit. Uh, I'm more mentioning this for Canadian listeners because a lot of you have not seen this movie, and I highly recommend it. So, the barn has now been released on iTunes so it is available here in Canada aside from having to buy the Blu-ray or you know, the DVD or whatnot uh, speaking of uh, Blu-rays and DVDs same company different movie uh, so screamteamreleasing.com that's where you can get the barn on DVD I think you can even get it on VHS actually and on uh, Blu-ray and whatnot 
Well, they've released also Volumes of Blood. It's now being released on Blu-ray in a special Kill Actors edition. I love how they, instead of it saying Collectors, it's like Kill, K-I-L-L, Actors. I think that's kind of cool. It's Special Collectors Edition. And uh, it's nineteen ninety nine right now on their website. That's U.S. plus shipping. Uh, I ordered mine already. I, if you're willing to, you know, pay a buck or two, it's Canadian. It's going to come up to about like forty bucks. Uh, American, I think it's like twenty seven, twenty eight bucks or whatever. So depending on what side of the border you live on, you know, with shipping and whatnot. Uh, I've already seen this movie before. I. Uh, I did manage to find a copy online because I was curious, kept hearing about it, couldn't find it anywhere, so I found it online, and I uh, actually really like it. It is somewhat low budget, but it's it's a decent, fun film, so I wanted to mention that, and kind of so I can lead into Stephen King kind of shit, kind of, you know, my little top five favorite Stephen King films, uh, so last night... I uh I've been slowly killing off the uh Joe Bob Briggs uh marathon from Shudder and last night I uh I put another notch next to uh David Cronenberg's Rabbit which I've seen that movie like years ago it's been a while since I've seen it actually but uh yeah I watched the uh the the Shudder version with Joe Bob talking and what I fuck I love when he's talking like seriously he makes me like it's kind of weird because like I love podcasting and whatnot, but there's a part of me that almost wants to become a horror host one day. Uh, and it's funny because a friend of mine this past week asked me if I was going to do like live podcasting and whatnot. It's something that I have to uh, feel more comfortable with before I actually consider it. But you never know. Uh, maybe sometime in the future, I you know I might do some like live streaming kind of thing. I'd like to do like maybe a live uh, watch in with people or whatnot if I can figure that shit out. I'm not the brightest person when it comes to computers, so it may take me a bit to figure out. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe one day it happens. But yeah, I was watching that last night, and I mean, it also got me thinking because I know that the Soska sisters are remaking Cronenberg's Rabbit. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. I'm like, am I excited for this remake or not? There's a part of me that really is because, I, you know, I think it's about time. I mean, the original came back out in the 70s, so it's been around for quite some time. And I think, as you know, it'll make or break also whether or not I really want this will be Suspiria. When I see this remake, which... The more I see the promotional like shots and the like the footage and whatnot for this movie, I'm actually starting to get excited for it. So you never know; I might end up getting excited for Cronenberg's Rabbit as well. Well, like Saska Sisters version, anyways. And they did get Laura Vandervoort to play like the lead role. So I don't know. I I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I'm not gonna lie, but I, I I'm still kind of subdued in my excitement. Uh, I, I guess, you know, like I, I follow the Saska sisters on Instagram and whatnot. I've seen some of the, the photos from the, you know, the shoots and whatnot. I guess they need a trailer, you know, maybe a trailer will uh, hype me up for it. I don't know who knows. Right. But I, I've mentioned some sissy Spacek. I've m- mentioned David Cronenberg. Both of these names have uh, at one point or another tied into Stephen King films. Um, I think what I, you know what, I found a really cool sound clip 
And I'm going to uh, share that leading into this because Stephen King, um, I, okay, I'm not going to say where on the list, but The Shining is in there. Um, one thing that I always found interesting about The Shining was how Stephen King approached, like how he felt about the movie. And I found a really cool clip, actually. It's, it, he's being very candid in what he's saying and whatnot. So I'm going to use that as my lead-in to my Stephen King segment of the episode. So I'll drop that. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk a lot of shit Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King books, Stephen King movies, books I'd like to see into movies, and just shit about Stephen King. All right. When we come back. I think that it's still possible to scare people uh, in a really honorable way if they care about the characters. Did you like Kubrick's film of The Shining? No. Cold. I'm not a cold guy. I mean, uh, I think one of the things that people relate to in my books is there's a warmth, there's a reaching out and saying to the reader, uh, I want you to be a part of this. And with Kubrick's The Shining, I felt that it was very cold. Shelley Duvall as Wendy is really one of the most misogynistic characters ever put on film. She's basically just there to scream and be stupid. And that's not the woman that I wrote about. Did you talk to Kubrick about it? I met him on the set. I was over in England just out on that one meeting that I thought that he was a very compulsive, almost like anal man. All right, welcome back, everyone. I told you that quote was funny. Or did I actually say it was funny? I don't know. I, I can't remember what I did for like five minutes ago. Bad memory. I'm getting old, people. There's nothing I can do about it. No, I'm, I don't know. If I'm getting old, I sure as fuck don't feel like it. But whatever. Uh, I'm just babbling. Babbling like a Stephen King book. It's kind of funny. I'm, I'm actually going to mention this quickly. So, something my friend brought up to me, which she's not wrong. Definitely not wrong. She's definitely right. Um, but a friend of mine, uh, she's a horror fan like myself. And I mean, it, I've, I'll be honest with you, I've never met a horror fan that didn't like at least something by Stephen King. But she was bringing up the fact that for her, anyways, uh, like reading his books can be um, kind of uh, hard on her because she finds that he's too wordy and she finds like sometimes his books just feel like they're stretched out. You know, it got me thinking. I, I, I know where she's coming from and I know what she's talking about, but I have to disagree. I kind of like the fact that he... Like with a with a Stephen King book, you know, you know what you're getting. You know what he he wants you to see the image, and he makes sure that there's no question about it. You know what what the atmosphere looks like. You know what the characters look like. You can see them in in your mind because he is that descriptive. Some people don't like that. I, on the other hand, I personally love it. I think I don't I don't mind taking the time to to read a book. And I know, like, there's this thing sometimes with people, like, like you'll say to somebody, oh, I read this book. Well, how long did it take you? Oh, I read it in two weeks. I read it in a week. Like, there's always that competition. There's always that person that wants to compete with how fast you read something. And it always makes me laugh because I'm like, is it a race? 
Like, I don't get it. With a Stephen King book, yes, it's descriptive. Sometimes they take a long time to read. <laughs> a book like The Stand, yeah, it definitely takes a long time to read. But I don't mind that. I Sometimes I hate the quick books, like the ones that you read and, like, you know, you know, a couple hours later it's done. You're like, fuck, that's it. With Stephen King books, some of those books, like, you know, 600, 700, 1,000, 1,100 pages... I, I kind of like it sometimes because it's like an adventure that you know like you're going for the long haul on and you know it's gonna be descriptive as fuck and you're gonna there's no questioning what you're reading i mean yeah it, always in the beginning of a book you're kind of confused as to what the fuck is going on but it'll explain itself give it time but yeah i mean some top five top or top five top favorite Stephen King books. I know I'm talking about movies today, but I don't know. Books that I've liked, I've always loved The Dark Half. Um, Cujo. Cujo I love. I love Cujo. I've bought and sold that book so many times. Now I finally have a copy of it. I am not getting rid of. And uh, actually one, no, there was one time I think I lent it out actually and I never got it back. That also happened with my Dead Zone. And I had fucking oh, I had like original like uh, really like original pressing not pressing but you know what i mean like the first debut release uh in hardcover of the dead zone it was my mom's but she kind of passed it off to me and i was the stupid fuck who was like you know a friend of mine from uh, you know from my old job you know was like oh i've never read that book i want to read that book and i'm like all right i'll lend it to you but i you know i want it back and sure as shit went you know what the motherfucker got fired Like, in the time that they had my book, I never got it back. (sighs) This is why I hate people. No, uh, I shouldn't say it's a reason I hate people. I hate people for many reasons. But, um, no, I mean, it's my fault, right? Like, don't lend your shit out. You can't lose it. But, I don't know, I was trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. and Oh, you've never read this book? Because, I mean, the Dead Zone book is so fucking awesome. But, yeah, I lost out on that hardcover, and I'm pretty pissed off about it i mean i could i'm i've found it online a couple times but it's not cheap anyways uh yeah so dead zone uh four past midnight i have the hardcover of that too it was a gift from my mommy Uh, my mommy no it was a gift uh from my mom and uh yeah i'm not parting with that one i learned my lesson with the dead zone i'm not uh, four past midnight stays with me um and i've read it i've I've read the four stories in it I, i love them uh, what is it, Langoliers, I believe was in that one, <sighs> that movie, well, TV movie, right, but uh, it wasn't horrible, that's, a, I'll be honest with you right now, like, Stephen King movies, some of them even as bad as they are, <clears throat> Sleepwalkers, but, actually, no, but see, that's the thing, even though it's kind of bad, and it's kind of campy, I still like that movie, um, and it is a, a Scream Factory release this, uh, within the next year, or whatever, uh, sleepwalkers is one of them and uh i'll probably buy it because i don't think i i don't think i even have it on dvd right now i used to have it on vhs years ago um and again one of those things where it's like you know you have a yard sale oh hey i don't watch this junk anymore fuck <sighs> i would i'm not gonna lie to you guys i was stupid as a kid as a teenager as a guy in my 20s i didn't fucking start waking up like you know being a little bit more conscientious about don't sell this shit <laughs> until i was like in my 30s i'm slow like that 
Don't you love hearing my stories? Um, yeah. Uh, moving on. Let's let's get into the movies. So how I'm going to do this? Uh, talking about movies uh, five through one. Um, there's honorable mentions. <laughs> let's put it this way: honorable mentions is could, could be a list a mile long because, like I said, there's really not a Stephen King movie that I don't like. But we're going to do it like this. So it's going to be uh, five through one. I'm not going to talk a lot about these movies. I'm going to do this kind of quickly. And the reason for that is because eventually most of these films I will do in depth as episodes later on. Especially my number one, my number two, and my number three for sure will definitely be episodes. My number four most likely will be an episode. And even... My fifth pick, probably at one point or another, will be an episode on this podcast. So I'm going to kind of just mention like the director, some of the starring cast, maybe some uh, a memory I have of the movie, something that sticks with me out of the, from the film, and we'll move on. Because like I said, uh, first off, I'm talking about like five movies here plus honorable mentions. I don't want this episode running like super fucking long where you guys are like, fuck, is he done talking yet? Um, of course, you can just hit stop, but still, I mean, you want to hear the top five. You want to hear, like, you know, bang, 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 you know, like, let's get through it already. So that's how we're going to do it, five through one. And, oh, yeah, and I got, like, um, I got sound clips that I'm going to uh, use throughout the uh, episode as well. They're just TV spots, so they're, like, 30 seconds and they're done. Uh, I didn't go for any super long trailers or none of that shit because as cool as that is, I'm probably going to want to use those sound clips later on when I make episodes. You get the fucking point. Why do I have to? Ex- I don't have to explain this shit to you. People are all smarter than me, right? So now on with the countdown. Yeah, I sound like Casey Kasem. No, I don't. Number five. Meet Carrie. She's the girl no one likes and everyone makes fun of. The girl who lives in that creepy house. With her cruel mother. The girl with the strange power. She's about to turn a high school prom into a nightmare. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Rated R. Now showing at a theater near you. So, number five. Carrie. Directed by Brian De Palma, released in 1976. And this movie, this fuck, this movie's awesome. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the the like the book, I've read it. It was okay. Um, probably one of the few Stephen King movies where I really didn't care for all the descriptiveness that came with it. If you know what I mean. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a good book. I'm not. I'm not knocking it. It's just it was one of those things where it was like. It's one of those stories where it's kind of like like when I'm reading it, it's like, okay, let's just get to point, point, point. Let's get be done with it. But the movie, on the other hand, the movie was done really well. Uh, Sissy Spacek was fucking amazing in this movie, as was uh, William Cat, Big big blonde fro there. Um, you know, greatest American hero. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that guy. Um, but yeah, he, it's, it's fucking good fucking good movie uh piper laurie really pounded it out of the park in this in this movie um i want to say pj souls was also in this if i remember correctly i don't know it's it's a good movie i I liked it uh 
very 70s. You can definitely tell it was released in the 70s. It, it has that 70s look to it. It's kind of funny. I was watching, uh, like I said earlier, I was when I was watching Rabbit last night, and I noticed like that's another one that really has a 70s look. I can understand a reason for uh, possibly remaking. I mean. Even that, though. Do you really need to remake a good classic? Because I'm not going to... Okay. The Carrie remake, it's not bad, but it's definitely not fucking great. And my issue with that, and this is actually the point I was going to make before moving on to my number four. So what made Sissy Spacek really stand out in this role... And I'm not... Don't get me wrong, because when you saw her, like, outside of this movie, she wasn't a a bad-looking girl at all. She was very pretty. But they did a really good job with making her look like... Oh, pardon the expression. I don't want to offend anyone out there. Yeah, right. Fuck you all. But anyways, no. (laughs) Uh, They made her look homely. Like, they made her look unattractive. They made her look like she was, you know, I, I, I hate saying this, but we all know when we went to high school, there was always that one kid, you know, that one kid, whether it was a girl or a boy, there was always that one that stood out. And for my case, it was me. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, with me, I was just. I, I was the kid that sat off in the corner. I, I just, it's not that I was ugly or anything. Uh, maybe you all think I'm ugly, but fuck you all. I don't care anyways. But um, no, I, I was just like more like, I was the withdrawn kid. I was like, I don't have anything to say, so what the fuck am I going to talk? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, like getting back to the movie though, they did a, a an exceptional job of making her look like she was the outsider. She was the she was the girl who was, you know, she was sheltered. She had a a, a fucked up home life. Let's put it that way. And it's not that the remake was was bad, but uh, what's her name? Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. I think that's, I think that's her name. Chloe Moretz. Whatever. Uh, okay. First off she's she's a good-looking girl like she's attractive you know what i mean they didn't make her look unattractive so even though like like she's supposed to be the outsider she's supposed to be the one that everyone's picking on and whatnot at the same time it's like it wasn't as believable in the remake as it was in the original uh and i don't know i also found that the girls that were, you know, antagonizing Carrie in the original were more believable than the girls in the remake. Now, again, like I said, I, I, it's not that I have a problem with the remake, but because there is a part of me that doesn't mind it. Um, Carrie to the Rage, I'm not into. That's not me. Um, I, I didn't care for it, let's put it that way. But... It when comparing the original with the remake, the original easily is a lot better uh, in terms of the look, the feel, and the fact that Carrie feels like a fucking outsider, and that she you could understand why kids were picking on her. Um, the remake, it's not that the remake's bad; it just doesn't stand as strongly as the original. And on that note. It's time to move on to number four. Stephen King, author of Cujo and Carrie. 
David Cronenberg, director of Scanners. Together, they put you in the grip of the dead zone. You're a devil. Something metal. From the mind of Stephen King, a vision of the future. The Dead Zone. Rated R. Starts today, Man's Brew in Westwood, Chinese Hollywood and theaters. Ah, Christopher Walken, you sexy fucking beast, you fucking crazy batshit motherfucker. And you know what? I love him for it. Dead Zone. 1983, Cronenberg film, Stephen King. Again, much like Christine, how can you get much better than, you know, Stephen King and John Carpenter? Here it's Stephen King and David Cronenberg. And the interesting thing. So, yeah, um. Dead zone, dead zone. Uh, one of the, let's see, when we got our VCR, our very first VCR, uh, 1984, 85-ish, somewhere around there anyways, uh, it was one of the first videotapes that we rented. Or no, we didn't rent that one. I think uh, my mom borrowed it from someone. Anyways, there was like uh, the, the first videotapes that we ever you know, had or owned or whatever was, uh, we had gremlins, we had star Wars and empire strikes back. Uh, let's see what else we had romancing the stone and dead zone. Dead zone was the other one. And so the funny thing was, uh, and I, Oh, and secret and Nim. That was the, that was the sixth one. Cause I know we had six movies and we put them on two different VHS tapes. You remember the different speeds for VHS tapes, you know, there was uh EP or SLP or whatever. And then there was LP and there was SP and you know, SP, you could record two hours on a tape. LP was four hours and EP was six hours. So whatever. My mom would like record like movies one after another and she used to do this, you know, with cable TV and all that other shit. Anyways, so Dead Zone was one of them. And of course, as a kid, like, you know, I remember having the book. My mom had the hardcover book and I'd always see it. And, you know, I had even read it and whatnot. And I was like, ah, I want to watch this movie. And of course, you know, I'm younger. My mom's like, no horror movies for you. Yeah, because that, that really worked. But anyways, um, you know, when she was around, obviously, I wasn't watching them. Because, you know, parents were strict back in the days, you know? Uh, yeah, right. Anyways, so... <laughs> uh, so anyways, my mom, you know, she puts on the one tape. There's Gremlins, Secret and Him, and Romancing the Stone. And I'm allowed to watch all three of those. Hey, there's nothing wrong with those movies. And then, you know, the other tape is Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and The Dead Zone. And you knew that with that movie... Coming right after Empire Strikes Back. Eventually, one day, I was going to see this fucking movie. It didn't take long. I saw the movie quite soon. Uh, <laughs> and I remember, because I was a stupid kid, I remember not understanding what was happening in the movie. It's weird because I read the book, too, when I was really young. I think I was like seven or eight years old when I read that book. But, you know, at that age, there were a lot of words in the book I didn't understand, and I probably didn't even actually grasp the book. I just kind of read it and was like reading words, but not actually comprehending what I was reading because I was stupid like that. Uh, <laughs> it's funny when I get older and I read these books now and I'm like, it was such an easy concept, Paul. Like, what was wrong with you? But anyways, have a laugh at my expense. Uh, so I don't know. I remember watching this movie and I just remember like Christopher Walken was one of those actors that, I totally loved him, and I thought he was kind of creepy at the same time. 
And I think that's what really made the Dead Zone movie work was Christopher Walken. Um, what's his name? Martin Sheen, I believe, is in this as well. He's good. Don't get me wrong. I Sheen, it, all the Sheens, even Charlie, as fucked up as he is, you know, and he's they're good actors. Okay. Um, but Christopher Walken was is the selling point on this movie, and you know, and Cronenberg did a great job of filming it. It looks like a Cronenberg film, but I mean, like it looks really good. Uh, a lot of the, the 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 sets were good, the shots, the angles, everything. I mean, it all looks great. The music's fucking great. But Christopher Walken is definitely like he's. This is actually one of his movies where it's like one of my favorite performances, and I've seen. I don't want to see. I, I I can't say I've seen all his films. I've seen a, a a good handful, but and as much as like I personally like Batman Returns is like probably one of my favorite Batman movies of all time. I know blasphemy, right? I don't like the '89 Batman better. Um, no, I I personally like Batman Returns better. Um, and Christopher Walken is awesome as Max Shrek in that. So, I, I yes. As much as I have that at a very high pedestal, I put Dead Zone even higher. I think his acting in this was phenomenal. Um, people will say Christopher Walken being Christopher Walken. Yeah, well, he's one fucked up motherfucker, and we love him for it. And I really don't want to get into a whole lot on this movie, uh, simply for the fact that it's, it is actually an episode I plan on doing within the next... I'd probably say like next two months. So uh, I kind of, I I realize I'm being a little repetitious here when I keep mentioning Christopher Walken. It's because I kind of don't want to jump into the other things that I could say about this movie and the book, obviously. So I'm going to leave it at that. My number four is The Dead Zone. Uh, Coming up now, number three, number three, number three, uh, there's only there's only one way I can lead into this one, and that's here's Johnny. The Shining, a masterpiece of modern horror, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Rated R. Opens Friday, June 13. Check newspapers for local listings. Red Rob! Red Rob! <laughs> the Shining. Oh, I fucking love this movie. And yes, I know. Stephen King doesn't. Well, he, okay, he's not wrong. When he says that the movie has like a cold feeling and it's a cold movie, he's not wrong. I mean, it ends in the cold. <laughs> That face of Jack Nicholson just frozen in snow. I, I fucking love it. No, but he he definitely has a point. Yes, um, there is something about Stephen King movies that are or Stephen King stories, I should say, that always have like a, a warm feeling to them and always make characters that you know you want to know them, you want to care about them, and stuff like that. He's not wrong about that. He's definitely not wrong. That said. Kubrick made one hell of a fucking crazy batshit fucking awesome movie. Um and that hotel looks fucking great. Everything about like the the shots, the weirdness, the fucked up two naked chicks in the fucking bathtub, everything. Everything about this fucking movie is so amazing. And the the line, the the dialogue, the delivery of the dialogue, like everything about it is so 
awesome. I know it's not what Stephen King wanted, and that's probably why he went back and did the, uh, what was it, 1993 made-for-TV movie with Stephen Weber and uh, Rebecca De Mornay, which I have that one too. Um, <laughs> and it's not bad. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty good. Uh, do I like it better than this one? No. But I, I do like the remake that came out years later. And I do think it was 93, unless it was 96. Something to research for another day. Um, but anyways, this one's like really fucking good. Uh, and yes, Stephen King is kind of right also in the fact that Shelley Duvall, pretty much for the majority of this movie, seems like all she's doing is crying and and being annoying and obnoxious and whiny. I guess the reason why I really do like this movie, I like Scatman Crothers, I like um, the kid who played Danny, and for the life of me, the name's not coming to me, and I do know it too, and of course, Jack Nicholson. Now, it's interesting because, again, Jack Nicholson, an actor, I've seen many of his movies, this is probably the one that I put the highest on the pedestal, and that's over top the 89 Batman with him playing the Joker because he's playing himself, which then people say, well, in The Shining, he was playing himself. Yes, you're not wrong. The thing is, is that him playing himself in this movie is fucking awesome. It fits the movie. Him being the Joker playing, you know, he's supposed to be playing the Joker, but he's playing himself doesn't work because it's not the Joker. Um so anyways, enough of the Batman shit and whatnot. Uh, in terms of The Shining, though, like I was saying, Jack playing Jack fits the role in this. And Steven Weber in the, the remake is not bad, but I found Jack Nicholson to be scarier, more creepier. Um, I shouldn't say scarier because I wasn't scared, but he's definitely creepier. He definitely... And then there's the issue that, okay, so I watch this movie and I'm thinking to myself, in my head, do I believe that Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, would marry her, Sherry, Shelley Duvall's character? Do, why the names, the names are just slipping from my fucking mind today. It's horrible. I'm leaving all this, by the way. I'm not editing anything this week because you guys can laugh at me all you want. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when I look at it, they don't. Okay, so I'm watching this thinking to myself, would these people ever be attracted to each other? No, they wouldn't be. And not to mention, Danny looks nothing like either of them. So it it really, the, the, the whole family aspect of, of the Torrances doesn't work for me in the 1980 movie. And yet, Believe it or not, in the remake, I can believe that those people would get married and they would have that son and that son would look like he does. Like, that is one thing where the remake definitely did that better than the original. The thing is, is the original is just fucked up. Like, it's just creepy. It has an aesthetic to it that it makes your your, your skin crawl and makes your hair on your arms like stand up and whatnot it and the line again it's the line delivery um granted yes they could get away with more because it's a rated r movie in a theater and the other one was a made for tv series much like it we we're seeing that today with you know 
the, the Stephen King's It that was just released last year in 2017. Oh, yeah, well, it was awesome. It was fucking gory. And, you know, Richie had his arm, or not Richie, Georgie had his arm ripped off. And, you know, there was a bit more gore and a whole lot of swearing. Yeah, oh, rated R, awesome. But the made-for-TV movie had to focus on story even though yeah it is camp here i mean <laughs> let's face it it some of the acting is pretty atrocious not so much with the kids though and that is one thing that i will say in terms of stephen king's it i know i'm supposed to be talking about shining but whatever fuck you all um <laughs> i really have to stop saying fuck you all it just it rolls off my tongue so nicely um but the thing is is with the kids that's one thing about both stephen king's it's movies uh, the kids on both levels work. I I think I like the kids from the original a bit more, but they they work on both levels. Going back to The Shining, there actually was a point to this. So, as much as Jack Nicholson is just batshit crazy and fucking amazing, in terms of the family aspect, taking all three characters, the remake actually did that better. That's one of the few things that I will say, and, and you know, I already just said it, but I'm, I, that was the point I'm trying to make, is with the, the TV versus the theatrical versions, both times I actually think the TV versions have done the characters better, but then you have the theatrical versions that can bring more to the screen, more violence, more gore, more of that R-rated shit (laughs) that sometimes I think you need with a Stephen King film. Uh, So that's kind of the point I'm trying to make with The Shining. I know I kind of danced all over the place. I was trying to think of how to word it and everything, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But (laughs) yeah, it's just, I think that's the point I'm trying to make here is that with The Shining, Jack Nicholson definitely does carry this movie, but it's everything else that the movie does that works on a better level. The TV movie, however, did the characters better, just didn't get the look that that I was used to or that I was hoping for, if you know what I mean. So that's that. Ending it now on the Overlook Hotel, because now it's time for my top two. My top two picks, top two favorite Stephen King films, favorite not the best, but my favorite. My favorite. I know. Shut the fuck up, Paul. And just get on with it, right? Okay, so number two. Cujo? From the novel by Stephen King, creator of Carrie and The Shining, comes a chilling new tale. Cujo? Now, there's a new name for terror. Cujo, directed by Louis Teague, rated R, now playing. Check newspapers for a theater near you. For any of you hockey fans, you guys remember that goalie from way back in the day, Curtis Joseph? Everyone called him Cujo. I hated him for that. You know why I hated him for that? Because Cujo was like my second favorite Stephen King movie. And Cujo, for a long time, played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, which... I do not like the Maple Leafs. I know I'm Canadian and I don't like the Maple Leafs. What's wrong with me? Blah. Um, yeah, I've heard it all before. And I used to love uh, throwing the argument back at them. Well, at least the Detroit Red Wings had a Canadian captain for, what, 20 years? 20 some odd years? But anyways, 
that's sports talk, and you guys didn't tune in for that, so I'll shut the fuck up. But no, I, you know, it's just Cujo, uh, directed by Louis Teague, starring D. Wallace and Danny Pintaro. Uh, Danny Pintaro, you know, I hated him on Who's the Boss, and uh, I kind of hated him in this movie too, but you know what? This movie, okay, I see it a lot online where people will say, oh, well, the kid in The Babadook is like, you know, the most annoying fucking kid in the world. And then, you know, you'll get the odd argument where someone will say, well, Danny Pintaro and Cujo was fucking annoying. You know, The Babadook, I don't mind it. I, 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 I kind of like the movie. I don't like the kid in it too much, but not because he was whiny or any of that shit. I just didn't really care for the kid. Um, this movie... It's kind of interesting because I hate it. I hate the fact that he cries a lot and I hate the fact that he whines. But then I, t- I kind of think about it. I'm, you guys know, I'm not a summer person. I fucking hate the summer. I'm a bitch and a whine. I'm a whiny bitch about it. And anyone that knows me knows that that's the truth. I, I can't stand the summer. I can't stand sweating and feeling sticky and all that other shit. And sometimes when I watch this movie, I think to myself, this kid was stuck in this car for, you know, what, two days, three days, whatever it is. And it's like sweltering hot and he's sticky and everything. I would probably be just as whiny and obnoxious and annoying as he is. So I think there's a part of me that even though when I watch this movie, it's like, fuck, stop fucking screaming, kid. But at the same time, I would probably be that angry little obnoxious little fuckhead screaming in the car as well because when you're sweaty and you're hot and you're dehydrated and you fucking hate your life right now you cry a lot about it um just go on facebook you'll see thousands of people doing it every day (sighs) moving on no but uh i i I have a thing about animals you guys know that i've made it very clear i love my dog i love my cats uh, my pets in the past, I loved all of them. You know, I've had mice, I've had hamsters, I've had countless cats, you know, two dogs, and, and I, I love animals. As much as I hate the fact that Stephen King seems like he likes to put animals through torture, I do love the movies that have to do with animals. And Cujo is no exception. And I mean, I love the St. Bernard in, this, in the movie. I love watching like like the special features when they show like like the the one scene where the dog like smacks its head off off the door and in the special features on the, on the DVD um like how they show like you know they cut open the doors on both sides and then the dog would actually jump through and you know they would cut it and there I mean it's pretty funny when you see the pictures online of like you know the the actor who was the dog and it's like this like this tall lanky guy with a big fro and you know he wore he wore a dog head you know and he did all those cool scenes where it like you know the close-ups with the dog's head and whatnot but yeah it, it's it's a great movie and I mean like I what I think it was even last episode or the episode before when I mentioned like I just recently got the 25th anniversary edition of it on DVD now so I mean I get to watch this whenever I want I had the VHS for years and the the it was a the box art was like blue it had the picture of the dog and D Wallace's face and whatnot and I think the writing was in green or whatever at least the version I had I must have played the living shit out of that fucking tape. Um, yeah, to the point where that one, I didn't sell that one. I, I planned on keeping it. Uh, my VCR didn't agree with me on that one. So that tape got chewed up. Um, 
But I mean, I I had watched a lot. I mean, it was to the point where like even like the the um, opening sequence of the of the film, like there were like you know those VCR lines that would go scrolling through your TV and shit. I had watched that tape a lot. Um, I don't know. Like I said, like I, I love that movie. It, it's it's a personal favorite. But the one that is my number one, the one that I'm going to be talking about next is interesting because I'm going to talk about it quite a bit, but not a lot because it's an episode of the podcast, uh, probably with, like I I think I had already said it was like, what, two months? Uh, Within the next two months, this is going to be an episode on the podcast. So without any further ado, my number one... It is the place where devoted pets are laid to rest. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did was was a cigarette. But nothing buried there ever rests in peace. Come back to me, Gage. Paramount Pictures presents Stephen King's chilling bestseller. Pet Cemetery, rated R. Now playing at theaters everywhere. And it's here, folks. It's the end. It's the number one. The number one favorite movie. Favorite movie. Not best movie, but favorite movie. Actually, this I also would say is probably the best movie. No, I'm kidding. There's other movies, obviously, like Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile that are a lot better. But fuck you. I don't care. Pet Cemetery. I love the shit out of this fucking movie. And I will say this. The only movie, I think, to ever creep me the fuck out. Thank you, Andrew Hubitzek. You motherfucker. My God, he played Zelda so perfectly. The first time I ever saw this movie, I actually got chills down my fucking spine. That, no pun intended, because it's his spine that was all fucked up, but... Oh my god, Zelda is without a doubt the creepiest fucking thing I have ever seen in a movie. And I've seen a lot of movies. I I know some of you have seen more movies, but (laughs) Zelda is, yes, Zelda, okay, even reading the book. I remember, I read the book before I saw the movie, and Zelda didn't creep me out reading the book. I mean, yeah, it was creepy, I was reading it, I'm like, well, that's some fucked up shit, but I never saw it creeping me out in the movie. I mean, Mary Lambert did such a fucking great job directing this thing. And I, I, I mean, okay. Yes. Denise Crosby is in it. Dale McKiff. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. M- again, you know, l- let's see what the remake brings because again, that was a, that was a character mismatch. If you ask me, and I, I'm not knocking the guy. He, he, did the best that he could, whatever. But his Lewis Creed is just a little off for me. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I mean, but let's face it. Why did we all tune into this movie in the first place? Fred Gwynn was in it. We're like, hey, Eddie Munster's in a Stephen King movie. Fuck, I'm definitely going to watch this shit. I never realized that my favorite character would be a character that was not even within the top five main characters. You know, being, you know, Rachel Creed, Lewis Creed, Judd Crandall, 
Gage Creed or Ellie Creed. No, it's none of the five of you. Get the fuck out of the way. Zelda. Seriously, this movie should be nicknamed The Legend of Zelda because it's interesting too. Like on on you know the social meds, when people will post like oh you know like in different horror groups or so uh, you know Instagram, Twitter, whatever, and they'll always say what character in a movie creeped you out? What was the creepiest moment you ever saw in a horror film? What's the creepiest movie you ever saw in a movie? And all you got to do is write Pet Cemetery Zelda. And you will be comment. You will be the top comment. You will have so many fucking likes, and you will have everyone saying, "Oh my god, it's you know the thing that fuels nightmares." And oh, you know that that I still can't watch it today. And all of a sudden, the most perfect fucking casting ever, Andrew Hubitzek. And at the time, he was an eighteen-year-old gangly teenager. I think he was eighteen, eighteen or twenty-one, but I think he was eighteen. Holy shit. When he, the, the one scene where he's like, he's like kind of like leaned over on the bed and Rachel looks into the room and all of a sudden he just like whoop, pops up. And he's like, Rachel. It's like, holy fuck. And the look on his face. And then like when she's retelling the story to Lewis and she's all going on about how like, you know, I, 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 people thought I was crying, but I was actually laughing on the inside and all this stuff. And they're showing like, like Zelda, like suffering and writhing in pain. It's like, holy fuck. Like if I saw that in real life, I'd probably piss myself. Like seriously, so well acted, so perfectly cast. It was easily the, one of the best things to ever happen in a Stephen King movie. And I, like I said, like there's movies that are way better. Like, you know, Shawshank Redemption and Green Mile are probably two of the best Stephen King movies of all time. And they don't touch the creepy value that that Zelda is. Like, uh, and that's what I love about this movie so much. And I mean, we, my honorable mentions list, I mean, you've got It from 1990. You've got The Stand, Dark Half, Thinner. I love Thinner. Some people were like, eh, Thinner shit. No, I love Thinner. Needful Things. I know I just recently watched it. And, you know, it, that movie's fucking awesome. Children of the Corn. Kind of annoying, but I still love it. But the creep show films, you know, that Stephen King and George A. Romero teaming up. Like, who the fuck didn't see this coming? You know, like, Maximum Overdrive is campy and as fucking weird as it is. It's so much fun. You know, Christine, Misery, uh, Stand By Me. Uh, fuck, like, I could go on forever, like, just naming off all these Stephen King movies. I just watched Gerald's Game in 1922, like, what, last week or whatever? Those are good movies. Stephen King has always been a great writer and he's he's a good writer to adapt movies in like you know adapt into movies but never ever ever did I see that performance of Zelda coming and when I saw it for the first time I'm not gonna lie chills down my spine it was like there was a part of me that almost felt like I was frozen it was like holy fuck you have managed to creep me out I bow to you, Andrew Hubacek. <laughs> so, yes, Pet Cemetery is my number one. Recapping all five. Carrie at number five. Dead Zone at number four. Shining at number three. Cujo number two. Number one, Pet Cemetery. Ba-ba-ba! Cue the Ramones. 
Um, and that's it. That's it. Uh, oh, one other thing I did mention. So uh, books that haven't been made into movies yet. And there's still a few out there. But the one that I read, it's like, I got a funny story to go with this too. But uh, the one book that I would like to see get made into a movie, unless it's been made and it completely slipped right past me, uh, from a Buick 8. So interesting story about that book. So I was like, oh, fuck, how old? I might have been about, what, 27, I think, 28, I don't know. I was kind of like, you know, at this point in my life where it was just like I didn't give a fuck about nothing. Anyways, I was kind of seeing this girl and whatnot and, I don't know, it was nothing serious or what, I mean, fuck, I think it lasted like three weeks and it was kind of like, eh, whatever. But the best thing about that was I got this book. <laughs> it was her book and she had read it and she was like, oh, you gotta read this one, it's really awesome. And of course, like, it's Stephen King, I'm like, mine. Uh, <laughs> what I didn't realize was it would actually become mine because, you know, um, she kind of like took off. Usually that's the way it is. They usually take off on me. It's not the other way around. And anyways, yeah, she kind of took off and she forgot to grab her book. So it became mine. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, that was that was a good one. I, I enjoyed that story. That's one I'd like to see made into a movie. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know who they would cast and who they wouldn't cast. Uh <laughs> because I'm not good at that shit. I love it. Like it, when you'll see those, uh, wizard magazine used to do that a lot, you know, like their own, like mock castings for, you know, whatever movies would be coming out or movies they wanted to have come out. And, you know, sometimes they would get close. Sometimes they wouldn't when I'm fucking horrible at it. I'm always like, yeah, like, I don't know. I think, fuck it just trying to think of a name off the jack nicholson would make a great batman you know what I mean? like that's what i'm talking about like i i'm i'm fucking stupid at casting so not gonna pretend to do that just thought i'd mention that if there is a book that they're going to make into a movie or you know well not a series I, you couldn't do it into a series but you know maybe a mini series on tv or whatnot but uh from a buick 8 i wouldn't mind seeing that one and that's it folks podcast over no uh not completely over yet but thank you for listening thank you for being so awesome i know this has been kind of a uh a rambly episode of kind of all over the place and whatnot um you know i just i wanted this to be more uh an episode that was me and less reading of notes and whatnot so i kind of just point form shit and figured just go with it and just talk and if you're still listening, thank you for listening. You know, it's, it's been kind of nice to just talk about shit and talk about Stephen King and how much... Because Stephen King is a big influence on a lot of us. Um, you know, I, I, it, fuck, it influenced even Ready Player One. You know, The Shining. <laughs> and there's like a whole great scene. Oh, if you haven't seen Ready Player One, spoilers! Fuck you, should have seen it already. But anyways, yeah, um... You know, and Stephen King has, well, Monster Squad, you know. You know, the kid's wearing a, a Stephen King Rules t-shirt, you know. Um, like, in, how many times have you heard Stephen King references in movies that weren't horror, you know? Like, because, uh, well, uh, what is it? Um, Justice League. When Flash is talking about Superman coming back from the dead, and he's like, uh, you know, he won't be like Pet Cemetery, right? You know, um, and then when, you know, Soups goes a little batshit crazy because he sees Batman decides he wants to, you know, beat the fuck out of all of them. And, you know, Flash is like, 
you know like I mean again it's one of those things where Stephen King has influenced like so much and he's still influencing uh, you know normal pop culture and of course he's making a lot of political shit on you know Twitter but I try to avoid that shit um, I haven't read his new book yet The Outsider I do have it uh, might even start it this weekend uh, you know it, it his books are I, one thing I love about Stephen King books is I usually get so pulled into them that it doesn't take me long to read I mean unless it's the stand the stand took a while um, you know Pet Cemetery was like in a day day and a half I think Stephen King's It. Surprisingly, It didn't take me that long, and it's a pretty long book in itself, but I think it only took me like three days or whatnot. Granted, I read it when I was younger. Um, I have a copy of it, I just don't get a chance to read it very much. But anyways, that's that. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you're looking for the podcast on the social media, so first off, go to nextlevelradioonline.com. That's where you'll find my podcast, all the other podcasts, DC Primetime, Caffeine Crew, Con Talk, Melting Pat, Two Fat Dudes, um, Panels to Pixels, Primetime Fantasy Football. Uh, there's just like a whole fucking shit ton of them on there. Go look, look them up. Um, Oyster Mill Theater is on there. You know, there, there's a whole bunch of great podcasts. Go check them out. It doesn't always have to be about the horror movies, you know? Yeah, right. A <laughs> life without horror movies? you that's not that's never gonna happen um but yeah that's where you can find it next level radio online.com uh facebook wow facebook you guys are fucking awesome 71 followers now thank you so much and you know people are on there liking commenting and you know just just doing shit i'm loving uh posting the trailers for you guys you know from movies released on this date in history and whatnot and it, it it seems like it's you know it's picking up Instagram is always awesome. You guys, uh, everybody loved the, the Freddy dick pic uh, joke I posted. Um, you're welcome. I, I forget where I actually found that. That was on some horror group. Uh, someone posted that, and I was like, I'm still like this because this is too fucking good. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go on Instagram, look up Instagram, what lurks behind Podcast Zero. Actually, it's also on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. Go on either or, and you'll see uh, there's a picture on there. It says, uh, when Freddy Krueger sends you a dick pic, and it's a burnt hot dog. It's fucking hilarious. Um, Twitter, at WLB podcast underscore zero. I know, I haven't been on there much. Like I said, I, I'm, I find that Twitter... Okay, yes, Facebook has its drama, but Facebook, it's like personal drama. It's people just like, oh, my life sucks, or I feel so bad today. Like, okay, whatever. But, uh, or, you know, if you're following comicbook.com, one of the worst sites ever, I might say. Uh, for, the, for the people that comment on there, nothing but a bunch of whiny bitches. But, uh, except for my friend Shad, he's pretty fucking cool. He, I see he comments on there a lot. It's always like these nice positive comments. I'm like... Fuck, he don't fit in on that group. But anyways, yeah, Twitter Twitter is one of those things where I just, I I can't get into it. I have it. You're welcome to add me on there or whatnot. I, I like to post occasionally, but it's just, Twitter's kind of not my thing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think going forward, I'm probably not even going to mention it in the social media, you know, uh, speak, so to speak, uh, <laughs> because I, I don't use it often. To be completely honest with you all, which 
That's what I try to bring to this podcast. Honesty. Um, and a lot of babbling. Uh, letterbox.com slash WLB underscore podcast zero. Haven't done any write, uh, like written uh, reviews in a bit now, but every now and then I'll get like this like spurt where it's like I'll do like five or six and then I kind of stop for a while and whatnot. And that's about it. Oh, and Horror Amino. I am on Horror Amino. I post occasionally here and there. Uh, but that's that. Podcast over. You may now go back to your regular lives, but don't run too soon. I still have to announce next week's episode. Actually, might be delayed a week. I'm not sure. I'm also uh, guest appearing on another podcast next weekend. So if that runs into it, it may be the following week. But next episode. Wouldn't you like to be his best buddy? Even if he's a serial killer trapped in a fucking doll. Yep, next episode from 1988 will be Child's Play. That is the next one I'm doing. Um, I love Child's Play. There will be no... uh, There'll be no bad talk about Child's Play. I love that movie, but I definitely... I want to just talk about it, talk about my thoughts, talk about my thoughts on the whole, like, you know, Chucky phenomenon and... You know, the fact that the new TV series is coming out and all that other shit. So much good stuff to talk about. So, yeah, that's the, that will be uh, that will be next week's episode. Or next episode. Just in case. I, I'm going to really try for next week. But, like I said, I, I'm guest appearing on DC Primetime with uh, Rob and Ben. So, in the event that I have to prepare for that and I don't have time to prepare for this... You can find me on DC Primetime next week uh, doing their Arrow annual, actually. So I'll be there. But uh, yeah, if, if I don't do the episode next week, it will be the following week for sure. And it'll be Child's Play. We're going to go down a romp with Chucky. Anyways, that's it for me. Time for the music. Time for me to get lost. You've heard me babble long enough. And thank you so much. See you in a bit. Yeah.